This is the Serrano Brothers Podcast. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back. We have on our podcast today, Holly, the Reverend Holly McHale Larson. Uh, she is uh, the pastor over at St. Paul's in Oakland. Pastor Holly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jeremy and Josh. Uh, Pastor Holly, uh, can I ask you uh, just a question before we start? Do you side work as a mechanic? Because you're wearing a mechanic outfit right now. <laughs> um, well, first off, I'd like to know that before we start, and you started with a question, so I think we started. Um, yeah, my knowledge in car, car reports, I think I have always been a big believer that you dress in what you want to be. So I used to dress as a soccer player in college, even though I don't play soccer. Um, really, the only thing I don't dress as is, is, is a pastor, um, so, except for on Sundays. That's Fair awesome. Enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's let's get to know you a little bit better. Uh, where are you from? Uh, what does your family look like? Okay, so where I'm from, um, that's, it depends on what, I'll just answer the truth today. Um, my dad was in the Navy, so we moved around, not a lot, but, uh, so the main from is San Diego, because we would have gone to high school together. Uh, did you not know that, Jeremy? I, I, I know. I would have been at Grossmont with you if we had stayed, but I went to Lemon Avenue. Okay. okay. Um, but so the main ones are San Diego, but then my parents, um, in seventh grade, uh, we were living in Guam, but we moved to um, then Bothell, Bothell, Washington, which is right by Seattle. Um, it used to have cows, now it just has houses. Um, and and my parents still live in Bothell. So I'm, I, I probably would say I'm from the Northwest, but there's, but I've lived in California more, more years than anywhere else. Um, and what did your family look like? Family looks like. Um, I have a husband, Stephen McHale, not McHale Larson, uh, and two kids, Jackson and Priscilla. Then I have one dog, Bear, the love of my life. I have two cats. You're asking about family, so you're getting it all. Taco and Lupe, um, we're sisters. And then we have only one snake now. Did you have more snakes? Did you not hear? Oh, I mean, my kids had snakes. I don't, um, um, Rosie, the snake died. We had mm. a burial. Sorry to hear that. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, well, it got out and we just can't find it. That happened oh. once. That oh, no way. Terrible. I would immediately set fire to the house. Just I, didn't, like, I didn't get out of my car for like <laughs> three hours. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Holly, um, many people don't know, and I'm going off of a script here, Joshi. Um, many people don't know that you have a deep affinity for the Virgin of Guadalupe. Oh, I... Well, can, can you tell us how that started? Like, t tell yeah. us about that. I mean, so it should be noted, it's not just the Virgin of Guadalupe. Like, she's the main one, but any Mary appearance, um, I'm, I'm into. Uh Okay, this this surprised my mother to no end because um, she's a cradle Episcopalian, which meant she went to church twice a year. Um, but so I was 
at a store, Advent season in Rockridge. I just hung out with Rachel Riddle. Do you remember Rachel Riddle, Josh? I do. And I think we were still hanging out. Um, and I saw on this hip store in Rockridge an Our Lady of Guadalupe ornament that was $16. So first off, a lot more than I'd ever spent on an ornament and of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And it seriously, she just talked to me and I bought it, which I don't normally buy knickknacks for myself. And I came home and I put her on the tree and Stephen's like, cause he was raised Catholic. Um, it's like, what, what, what is this? Um, but I didn't grow up with Mary. And I also didn't grow up with the conversations around her sexuality and virginity. I don't think that just wasn't a conversation in my household. So I didn't come in with that. I didn't come with, but she just spoke to me. And since then she and I have just taken a ride. Um, yeah, she, I love that. I that's a great way of describing it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's it. She she speaks to me, and I always try to have, um, like right now I have two things of Mary on. Um, you can't see, but I have a bracelet from Columbia. And this Mary, I think, I forget her name, but I call her Barbie Mary because she's got blonde, long blonde hair and is dressed up like a pageant. So um, that's- I don't know I about that one. Earrings yeah. from Our Lady of Guadalupe on. Now, we had the opportunity to see uh, the Virgin of Guadalupe live, right? Like we went down, a group of clergy, we went down together and you were part of that group. What was it like, you know, having that distant kind of relationship and then seeing it in person? Well, what it was for me, and um, maybe you remember, it was in that area where it was all the flags when we were in the cathedral. Um all the you know different um, American flags and South Korea, which I thought was hilarious. Um, mm. And I forget our what was our guide's name? She was lovely. I don't remember. Okay, Maya. but I remember her making the point of saying she's the mother of all the Americas and of everyone, and uh, particularly not being Catholic and not being raised Catholic, and also being in a different country there too. Um, I was like, okay, I, I, I it was permission. Mm. That, that for me was really moving. Yeah. That's cool. I don't think we ever talked about what was most, because then we got into the cab ride and we had a really exciting cab ride. We did, we did. We did. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, do you have any like favorite childhood memories? Um. Can you give, I do, I'm sure. Um, can you give me like a little bit more guidance like, on? Guide, like just age. what comes, like just kind of what comes to mind if you think of your childhood, if you want to reflect on like something just to like. I mean, okay, so these are the first three that come to my mind and they're random, Josh. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> so the first is um, in San Diego. My dad and I would go fishing often. Um, and we probably didn't go as much as my memory serves it, but we would go fishing sometimes with my grandpa. Um, and that, yeah, that, so I remember we fishing with him in Yosemite. Oh, this is a me memory. My dad's cooking growing up. Cause on that trip to Yosemite, he made meat. No, he made bologna and cheese sandwiches with marshmallows. Cause he thought that would be fun. 
Did it taste good? No, it was disgusting. <laughs> like you thought about like the angle of fun. Like how much fun could that be? Yeah, let's just throw marshmallow and uh <laughs> When I, cook, to anything. <laughs> yeah, when I was a cook at Holden, uh, so I was a cook for a year at Holden after college, and I just remember, uh, if Calista is listening to this, I should call a senator, I, um, I think the level, so there's always a coffee hour at Holden in the um, fall, and the in the off seasons, um, where you have snacks out, so they don't do it in the summer, but um, and I decided that even though that wasn't a meal that we were supposed to be prepping for, that I went, I, I made frosting for that. I made brownie. I went over the top in making sure, oh, in food coloring. Anytime I could add food coloring to a meal at Holden, I made sure I did that too. Did you make it like odd colors? Like, yes. was it like, like yeah. you're going to have green bread and like. Yeah. I, and I tried to stick in as many things as I could into the bread. Like what? Like, Holden, there wasn't that many things that you could stick into bread. So in high school, uh, my friend Becky Twitchell and I, we had a contest called what we could stick into each other's birthday cakes. So we would go over to the top, like pennies, that's where we started. We started with pennies. And then we had to stop when she put in it was the whole cake was just elements like ranch dressing and then flowers that yeah it just we just there you go this was a friend oh yeah great friend okay jeremy i have to tell you something uh and and i regret it now holly and i got into for like a year a good year maybe even two years her and i got into a battle of where like we would like volunteer each other for certain things committees like it was at the church assembly you, it was i at, made you pray at synod um at a clergy gathering at a clergy gathering like we would just volunteer and had i known this story i would have never done it do you remember how this feud ended i do what? not remember how it ended you nominated my name for bishop and i got the letter in the mail saying I had to write something because someone had nominated me for bishop. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I know. It was, I, was like, I was laughing for days on that one. So, so what do you do outside of being a pastor? Uh, well, mother, wife, fam family person, uh, or uh, no, family manager. Um, but I am getting to the point in life where like, I can have little bits of hobbies. Um, but I've always been a runner, um, and I took a little break from that injury. Turns out you need to stretch. Who knew? Um, yeah, we're like not 20 anymore. You gotta like, you gotta prepare yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So the new hobby, uh, well, and uh, I, Steven's a big skier, so this isn't a new hobby, but I ski in the winter season. Um, I really like that. I'm slowing down. But my new hobby is surfing. Um, I'm not Sarah Pearson surfing ability. I am terrible, and I. this is so humbling. Getting a hobby at 45, I will never be good at this. I will always be the worst surfer out there, and I'm perfectly okay with that. Yeah, good for you. 
That's so good to like think of hobbies that way. Like just do it because you love it, right? You know, you know, like I'm that's I you know, some people think that you gotta take up something and you gotta be so great at it, you know? It's like do it because you love it. And I so you saying that I just think is so great, Holly. <laughs> I will never compete with the 19-year-old women or men or wherever who still have that that don't need to stretch. Right. <laughs> Holly, I, I, I believe so strongly in what you're saying right now. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. And and I've done it for, you know, a while. And we had a kid in junior high, 14 years old, eight, eighth grade, who after about six months is now giving me a run for my money. And I am having to really, really work hard to not let him beat me. And, I, and I'm thinking, oh, in another year, this kid is, is just going to dominate me. And there's not going to be anything I can do about it because I because I've started this in my 30s and not when I was a teenager, right? And and so I was thinking this morning as I was walking into class, I was thinking, I do this because I love it, not because I'm any good at it. You're helping that kid too, right? Like you're his stepping. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we're coming on Lent right now. Uh, do you have any like practices or spiritual practices that you are doing that you're wanting to take into Lent with you? Um, funny enough, one of my uh, dear friends who is not that religious, it's like, Lent's coming up, did you know that? And what are you doing? And I'm like, it's coming up. Like I knew it from a, a daily work point of view, from my day, because I was bringing up laundry when I got this text. I'm like, oh, I forgot my day-to-day -day life. Um, no, Josh, I have no practices. It will just be completely honest um but i do every i i go through flows of when i take on a lenten practice and when i don't um and really intentional about why i'm doing it um versus uh like uh i think last year i did alcohol which i'm not a big as you know a big drinker but it was um it was it was getting to that point where I was like five you know sometimes I would want a cocktail around five o'clock and I didn't so I was like that there was a purpose to it it wasn't just I've tried diet coke but uh, that will never happen Actually, what, would, what would be the hardest thing for you to give up for Lent right now what would be the, like the most difficult thing if you were to give it up but diet coke and I wouldn't and I don't think that it's a big deal but I do have one probably now every other day no every day. Mm -hmm. It's a smaller can, but. Um, uh, you haven't moved to Coke Zero. You're still on the diet. Oh, it, it, that that it, mm, it's all the same. Coke Zero diet in my mind, not Pepsi. No, Pepsi is. Or what I tried for a couple of years for Lent. Um, not to pick up after my husband. Um, and also like to not be angry about. Well, that was it. Like I started getting angry that I wasn't picking up and that he wasn't noticing that I wasn't picking up. And so then I realized that it was not actually, I was learning a lot more about myself than I wanted to learn that Lent. 
Right. I mean, now you're getting into some marriage stuff and I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, like sometimes we pick up things for our families, not just our spouses, but they're, they're okay with it. They're okay well, with, no, with the way it is. Yeah, that was, it was totally on me. I was the, like, it was all about me. He, he was fine. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's like just some, some hard truth bombs right there. That you just, you know, that it's it often. Like sh- it was a shorter let God talk to me really quickly. We moved on. <laughs> hey, Holly, did you grow up Lutheran? Um, I did. My, um, uh, my dad's side of the family is very American Danish. Um, meaning that when we were in Denmark this summer, I learned that we're nothing like them in any way. Um, like I was expecting a parade, like, hey, I'm always here. No. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, finally, you're like, back, Holly. <laughs> was like, I was crying and landing on the plane, which is not Danish either. Um, so <laughs> um, but so my for my grandma, and I'd be curious how many of us are the religion of our grandmas. Um, faith was super important to her and going to church. So uh, when my dad, growing up when my dad was in town, because he was, he was an aircraft pilot, um, we went to church. When he wasn't in town, we didn't go to church. But, that, um, but yeah, I grew up Lutheran. Um, when we moved to... So, so that like between being born to nine, it was really uh, very loose churchy, but it was really my grandma teaching me about faith. Um, but then at nine, we moved to Guam where you're getting more of the history here, Jeremy. Um, my dad was uh, in charge of the base or second in charge. So we had to go to church there and you had a choice between a Catholic service or a Protestant service. Uh, you had to go off base for a Lutheran service. So we went to the Protestant service and it was the pastor at the time, the two pastors we had at the time were both Methodists. Um, the choir was very Baptist. Um, and at the same time, um, we went to a private school because the, the schools at the time, my mom did not, all the Naval kids went to a private school. Um, and, uh, she, God bless, I, she's not going to listen to this. My mom being raised Episcopalian, you don't send your kids to Catholic school. Okay. Even if this is the late, you know, the nineties now, and they have the best schools around. So Guam had tons of Catholic schools, could not go there. So she sent to us to an assemblies of God school. Oh, interesting. Yes. So fifth and sixth grade, I have that experience at the same time, our church that we went to every year had a really strong Baptist, kind of Southern uh, Methodist. So I, that's that's how I know my Bible and know my faith is from that. And then we moved to Seattle and got involved in a Lutheran church. Do, do you think that upbringing affected your your faith? Like oh, how, how did it affect your faith? Well, it affected my faith that, um, besides the fact that I know my Bible, um, but, so, you know, between 10 and 12, like that's the time, you know, we're all very relational, kind of particularly with God. Um, that was hardcore with my school and my church that I don't think Lutherans do as much. 
um, the, there was a lot of cleaning up I had to do. Like I learned a lot of stuff I don't believe anymore, but it was, Jesus was very real and God was very real. And then mixing that with, as I got older, with Lutheran and grace. So I can talk, talk to evangelicals. I, I'm, and as you guys know, I'm, I went to a, an ecumenical seminary like you guys in an ecumenical marriage. It's, I can, I'm Lutheran because my grandma was in, I believe in grace strongly. Hmm. Have, we, we, have we mentioned at all that you are married to an Episcopal priest? Has that been said yet? It has not been said yet. Yes. Oh, he was raised Catholic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. funny. So how did you decide to become a pastor then? Oh, um, so I knew in call. So I ran into an old friend, high school friend, falling out. And she reminded me that back in middle school, I said I wanted to be a Navy chaplain. Um, oh. And I probably honestly would be a Navy chaplain if um, if it worked with my family, but I don't want to move. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, that's out. Um, but I'm cool with that. Um, but in college, so I worked at camps and at Lutherwood. But senior year, I was deciding between becoming a therapist or I didn't know what, um, but leaning towards that route. And I just remember walking past, first, you, you, I went to PLU, there's an all girls dorm called Tampon Tower. Harstad is its official name. It looks like a tower, um, a tampon tower, actually. And, and at that time, this was, so my senior, there was, there was a real strong evangelical bent. I was friends with a lot of them, but they was very anti-gay. Um, anti-woman flavor going on with the students at PLU. And I just looked up walking from the library back to my dorm and seeing these girls dancing in the windows as they do in college, singing, you know, you could tell they were bouncing around dancing. And I just was like, God, let them know that they're loved. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was just a moment of like, oh, okay. And it was a surrender moment. Like, okay, mm -hmm. fine. I'm going to all go down this track. I don't, um, I was not the best church going person, um, probably better than most college students, but to myself, I didn't think it was. So that's, that was the, the moment and then just followed it. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. CPE though, that's actually when I realized I wanted to be a pastor. I thought I was going to be a chaplain before then. Say more, what happened? I realized that I did not like it. Not the you didn't like being a chaplain? I didn't like having relationships longer than a week with people. Wait, you didn't like having relationships oh, longer oh, than a week? No, wait, well, I mean, I wanted to have longer relationships with oh, people. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And in, and in chaplaincy, it's kind of these short little bursts of right. walking people through a moment in time, right? That's an, an intense moment in time, normally. Right. Yeah. Right. How long have you been doing this? Uh, fifth, 16 years. Mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant at the same time I was ordained, like the same weekend. So <laughs> that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's awesome. <laughs> and and how many churches have you served in that time? Two. That's good. It's a good around. Yeah. Yeah. As mm-hmm. yeah, our saviors in Lafayette, that's where I met Josh. Mm-hmm. And you were the, the associate there, right? Yeah. yeah we were and both associates now, at our churches. Yeah. We were both associates. <laughs> There's a little bit of a uh, uh, solidarity in that, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, and so where are you serving now? Uh, St. Paul in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that your congregation does that you're like really proud of? That you that you love that. Oh my goodness, I love Saint Paul. Uh, well, <laughs> yesterday was an example. I think when mm-hmm, okay, I'm picking where to pick the story. Remember, as I told you, I'm not used to being interviewed. Um, so I think there's a rightfully true assumption. Maybe he will have that Saint Paul is very high liturgy, and that is true. But I'm not actually that high liturgy, so. Um, they've become a little lower, but it, it's not. But yesterday we had setting nine, um, normal. So we we you know song liturgy, but then we had a dance party for the children's message to Taylor Swift that our children's minister did, and our organist played it on the organ, and then um, our sending him, sending him not postlude, was dropkick me Jesus. I need to through, through the goalpost of life. Yes. <laughs> For Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, I love as it. As we're like processing out with the cross. Have you never heard this song, Josh? No, and but I wish I would because I would to totally put it in on Sunday. <laughs> Super Bowl comes up every year. So oh, next year, funny. I'm totally gonna next use year. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 your people have some comedy in them, don't they? They do. That's that's what I mean. Like you, you. I think a lot of folks think that Saint Paul is. Well, actually, I don't think they do that. I, mean, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't. Um, they don't. We take worship. This is my little phrase for them. We take worship seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Mm. They're. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you never. So here, this is my thought about Saint Paul. Is because it's, I call it the. 1.5, well, we're either the first RIC congregation in the U.S. or the second. I like to say we're the first and we just didn't get our paperwork in. <laughs> well, That's funny. And, and, and maybe people don't know about your church. Can you tell us the history there? Yeah, and I'm not going to get it right, but I'll get it close to being right. Um, and I'm actually having lunch with Ross today. Um, oh, cool. But... I don't know if he listens to podcasts. Uh, he does have a that, cell phone. That guy barely got a cell phone. I doubt he's listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> and I love Ross. So, yeah. um, so for those who don't know, my predecessor only had a typewriter in through, you know, whenever he retired, 2013, 14, something like that. Yeah. All right. Um, St. Paul, historically Swedish Lutherans, um, and then Ross was called in the early 80s. And part of this is his own story. So, I'll, But he, when he heard about RIC, he, along with the council, at that time, first RIC congregations only had to get the council approval. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Well, remember, I said they were the first or second. Right. Um, and this must have been 83. I think it was 83. The council approved 
become an RIC congregation, um, which some people left, others didn't, but the whole congregation, and there were you know, movers and shakers were on that council. Um, and they slowly began to live into it, that they were um, LGBTQ, queer affirming. And then in the early 90s, mid 90s, Ross came, well, came out and said that he had a partner. Um, and at that point, he went, the congregation was like, great, we're right, be we're behind you. I mean, there was a, some people left, but the majority said, we're behind you. And then he was, he's one of the first people that was put on trial. Um, people after, no, um, he wasn't the first. He was after J Jeff Johnson was you know, the first, and the church got a little bit more um, regulation and rules after that. Hmm. So Ross was on trial for for a while, um, and he it was voted that he would not be a pastor. Um, but the congregation stayed with him, and they kept giving money to the synod, and uh, they just said they had a vacancy. Um, uh -huh. And I don't know if because St. Paul's in Oakland kind of doing their own little thing, kind of quiet, if uh, they just, so Ross, um, he, you know, reinstated in 2000 and, it 2000? I mean, I knew the vote it's was like nine or 10, nine right? Ten. Yeah. Um, so that's a, a large part of our, so our story, I think a lot of people may they be LGBTQ queer um, or they love someone who is, but that's why they ended up at St. Paul, particularly in the nineties. And so it's a place where they could be, we could be our full selves. And it's now a congregation that kind of demands that you are your own quirky self. Hmm. You can be there for, it's a great place <laughs> to stay for a couple, a while, but if you're not gonna, you know, yeah. That's cool. If, if you're not good with doing Taylor Swift in the children's sermon, it's not gonna be for you. It's not gonna be for you. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, liking high liturgy. Like it's got yeah, right. Well, didn't they do something? Uh, remind me of the story. Like when you went on sabbatical, what what was the song that they did for you? Oh, well, they did. When I went on sabbatical, they wrote a whole thing with Taylor Swift. Um, and then they played Shake It Off. And then the postlude was, um, oh, another uh, blank space. And then when I came back, they all wore pink and the council president dressed up like weird Barbie. And they did a ritual of me coming from sabbatical space to St. Paul world. As That's weird Barbie. Sweet. It was so sweet. And I kept going, if there's anyone new visiting today, well, they're getting all of it. They're getting all of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. They get to see what's in the kitchen right away. Right <laughs> away. <laughs> And you've had some notable names come through there, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not in my time, um, but so notable names. And I'm going to go with actually my favorite one is the last one because he's still there. Um, yeah, Nadia Boltzweber. This is where she became Lutheran. Um, Tahina. She Tina Rash, yeah. And pastor there. Um, but my favorite is Ev Kalen. He is 94. He was one of the professors for Seminex. Oh. He led the group across the street. Um, he had four kids at the time. And 
And he, it's so funny. I'm like, Ev, how did you decide to do that? Like, that's a big, their family goes, there, it was, you know, it was the writing was on the wall. We were, that's what we we're supposed to do. I'm like, but he last summer climbed half dome. At 95? He was 93 at the time. Um, I was actually in Kenya wow. reading People Magazine. And that's how I found out. Because he was in People Magazine? Huh? He was in People Magazine. Wait, wait, are, are we talking like, climbed the, the the face or like yeah. the back end no he climbed like he didn't have not like the hiking trail not like the hiking trail that goes up the back end but like rock climb like the ropes in the home the way people go up how are people go up half dome he went up half dome no the hiking trail you're talking about yeah the but it's you still can, yeah. like you could still die on the thing people oh, yeah can, yeah i won't be up. doing that uh, yeah yeah i don't mm -hmm. i don't i i've seen that and i'm like nope that's good i have no interest in doing that yeah 100 yeah, <laughs> Hey, you're you're an internship supervisor. Jeff Tiemann. Oh. Wait, what? My, oh, no. I am. Oh, I think you meant my supervisor. No, no, you're a supervisor. I am. Yeah. How did that come about? Like, did you like like being a pastor? Were you like, oh, I want to be an internship supervisor? Or well, this is my second one. Who was your first? Uh, Margaret. OG. Oh, I. So t t talk to us about being uh, an internship supervisor. Well, I'm, uh, well, with Margaret was awesome. Um, she, they came in, um, we met a week before COVID and then oh, man. the whole internship, she got to meet people. She was there when we reopened for like two weeks. Whoa. I know. Whoa. What an internship. What a yeah, um, she's great. And she asked, like, just, she asked all the questions that she, I never asked on an internship like you should. Mm. How do you do a budget? And, you know, the, she asked all the nitty gritty. Um, mm -hmm. But we have John Brett, the amazing John uh, Brett. Um, indeed. Yeah, he's our intern. And it's really, I think the theme song for John Brett should be um, Lizzo's It's About Downtime. <laughs> uh, yeah, because he's been working. He's been I mean, around forever, for, right? I mean, yeah. he's I been around he's forever. Been in seminary since like 2007, 2008, 2009. Wow. That, that was it. Is Kansas Committee approached St. Paul and said, "He needs to get this done." Um, and your congregation that would be flexible because he's part time, flexible with this, and. Um, has had interns and would probably be would wel welcome all that John is. Yeah. 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 Do you have like a philosophy of, of being an internship supervisor? Like, do you like, uh, like ease them into it? Do you throw them right to the, to the wolves or to the, you know, like the just, deep, let's say the deep end. The, the deep not end. The yeah, that's, sorry, not the wolves. I, sh <laughs> so, I should have said that. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I learned this from my internship. I was at St. Matthew for my internship and they made it very clear to me in a, in a positive way. Jeff Tiemann did. And the, the rest of the staff, you know, you get a staff of, I don't know, 15, 10. They made it very clear to me that I was not needed. Like they could survive just fine without me. I was there to learn and they were mm. going to teach me. Um, so that's with both of my interns. I mean, we're on like week two with John um, clear. They're not, they're not there because we need 
an intern to get the work done. Right. We're there to teach them and they're there to learn. So that's my, like my big thing is making sure that like, this is about their education. Um, but yeah. So how do you think you facilitate that? Like, what is it that you're trying, like, are there any like points that you're like, I want to make sure that in teaching my, my student or, you know, your, your intern that they understand this or they do this. Yeah. Like when Margaret was there, there was a funeral that came up. Um, and so I put her on that, made sure mm-hmm. she has that experience, um, involve them in worship planning. Cause they don't really get that as much. In, I mean, I think they do in some way, but not maybe congregational worship planning. Um, budget um but the main thing the first month or two is relationship building mm. getting to know everyone in the congregation and just getting to know the different ministries which doesn't feel like they're doing anything but they are yeah yeah right and then i always make sure that i go on vacation sometimes so that they are on so oh that's a great idea yeah nice so that they that they are in charge that week or two weeks or whatever, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a great that's a I think that's a great philosophy to like be very but to be intentional in that way, uh, of of making sure that they get you know, you ease them into it and then you're like, okay, now you gotta you gotta do what I do for a week or two, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Well, I like I don't that. Don't really have a but um, make sure that they learn as much as they, and I see them more as a colleague, particularly John. I mean, he has such a wealth of knowledge. And experience, I and mean. experience, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, by the time they're, and Margaret was doing, she had already done classes. This was her last thing, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had a teaching parish in between. It was like, oh, this is a very different thing than an internship. Right. Uh, we're, I'm doing a, uh, I have a ministry in context student right now too. Yeah. A, my first, I've never done this before. So like, I'm, I'm kind of figuring out like, okay, how much, like, what do we do? You know, it's not an internship, but you kind of letting them taste the waters a little bit and be involved and integrated into the life of the church. And at the same time, it's not an internship, you know? Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm, Figuring out ways to make that happen, you know. And they have such a limited time that they're able to be there. Yeah. Right, right. Well, one of the questions that we ask all uh, clergy people is, how do you explain what the gospel is to people? Uh, I, I, I love it because no one has ever asked. Uh, I've never had a parishioner ask me what the gospel is um not in a bad way but is that just not a um so i um but i've explained it with ever without using the word gospel um yeah oh jeremy caught me off guard with that one um i mean I we're go- gonna get some theology from you holly we gotta get some <laughs> theology here all right i mean of course it's the good news but what does that mean um, right what is the good news the good news i mean it for me, the good news is that we are loved unconditionally, just as we are. Um, that's the basis. But then the gospel is also um, how to live 
in a purposeful way, even mm -hmm. though there's no end goal. Um, but yeah, it's knowing your love and then living out that love. I think I like that's it. solid. That's a solid answer. I'm, 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 I'm here not. for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> oh, it was going to be my answer, even if you didn't think it was solid. So. <laughs> hey, is there anything else you want us to know about your ministry? Um, I mean, they're awesome. I love them. Oh, this is a crazy thing that St. Paul does too. And I keep waiting for the feeding of 5,000 or 4,000 or whatever count sermon to come up. We have the most bizarre coffee hour I have ever experienced in a church. Say more. People just bring things and you don't know who's going to bring anything. And all of a sudden, yesterday, there were these beautiful cupcakes that showed up along with cookies and meat. People just bring food every week. It's not organized in any, and there's sometimes people bring extra. So we put it in the freezer. We always have like the, the hospitality committee puts out some little things, but um, yeah, like yesterday, the lead of the hospitality committee, 15 minutes before service, because I'm a little nervous, there's not that much food. And then by the time we went out to coffee hour, plenty of food. So there's no like sign up. It's just like people because, just bring stuff. Yeah, there's sign up for making coffee and cleaning up coffee, but not the huh. in between. Yeah. And the Lord provideth. And the Lord provided. Yes. That's a good word right there. That's oh, that's word. so cool. I know. That oh, would stress right. me out. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like on Christmas Day, or no, Christmas Eve day, that morning, you know, we all were doing different things, but I, we had a small service um, and it was a service of grief because I thought, you know, people need a moment of grief for it. But I told the hospitality committee, there's no coffee hour. We, we, I, you know, we need to get in and then get out. You don't need that on you. You're doing something else. And right before service started, Augusto, you don't know him. He's in fifth grade. Um, he came in with a 49ers sweater, Christmas sweater, with cupcakes, around 24 cupcakes he had just made. Um, and he's never brought anything for coffee hour, but I, was, I just looked at, um, his name is Tim, who was doing the hospitality person there. I'm like, all right, there's coffee hour. We're doing coffee hours this morning. Amen. Amen to that. All right, the way we like to close this is we ask the same questions of everybody, and they're kind of they're kind of meant to be answered quickly, not really thought out. Um, you know, just just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready for it? I'm so ready. All right, which food can you eat every day? Um, I can eat. Chocolate. What's your favorite movie genre? Um, ooh, I like, rom I don't really watch movies, especially romantic comedies, but I was going, I'm going to say detective movies. I like detective movies. All right, what, salty, sweet, or savory? Sweet. In addition to the Bible, uh, if you were on a deserted island, uh, what book would Sorry, you be with? The you? Harry Potter series. Yeah. I listen to it as I've been running for the last 10 years nonstop. Oh, our Discovery of Witches. I really like that series, not the TV show. Uh, what fills your cup? What fills my cup? Um, alone time, running, 
and dance parties with my daughter. I have tons of, oh, and cuddling with my dog. But my daughter and I have lots of dance parties. What depletes your cup? What? Oh, what depletes my cup? your cup? Um, too many administrative details. Um, just um, overly, and this is not, this is just all a lot. Um, when I'm overly managing every detail. What's your favorite holy place? My favorite holy place. Ooh, I have so many. Um, anywhere next to the ocean. So mm. actually, I was about to say Holden. Holden definitely holds a place, but um, the beach off of Asilomar, but raging ocean water, crashing ocean water. What's one piece of good advice that you've been given? Uh, oh, I know this. This comes from Sam, my surf instructor. He would set me up to surf, and then he'd be like, you got plenty of time. The wave's still coming in. You're still going to have to get up. But you got plenty of time to get ready. Mm. But, so I, that's that's been my big takeaway in life last year. Got plenty of time. It'll still happen. So you got to be prepared, but you got plenty of time to get prepared. What does rest look like for you? Rest? Oh, I'm terrible at rest. Um, and I don't mean like I'm doing it some big poor thing. I just can't sit still. Like I'm always folding laundry. Um, so rest for me actually looks like getting out and going for a long walk. Mm. And on that last day when you enter heaven, what do you hope that God will say to you? Well done, faithful servant. And there's your grandma over there. Hmm. Everyone, this has been the Reverend Holly McHale Larson. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been the Serrano Brother Podcast. Thanks for listening.